Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So, um, Mother's Day message, uh, which is a bit unusual because the last couple of years we've had uh, females up here. So we normally have, or not normally, but recently have had uh, ladies giving us the Mother's Day message. I'll explain a little bit more later. Mal Gibson and Helen Hunt starred in a movie called uh, What a Woman Wants. What Women Want. Nick was a chauvinistic um, chauvinistic uh, man's man, executive advertising um, campaigner, uh, knew a lot of stuff, thought about a lot of stuff, um, and he had this accident that enables him to hear what women think. He's the story of a man's man who is listening to what women want. He meets a psychologist. Um, The psychologist says to him, you might just be the luckiest man on earth to be able to hear what women want. Ah, he's out golfing with a buddy. And Nick, this hotshot advertising executive, I'm going to be the one guy on earth who knows what women want, how they think, and why they do those cuckoo things they do. Now, this might be every man's dream to know what women want. Mark Gungor, the author, the presenter, and counsellor, and particularly presenter of a, a series called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, says, women know, they just know. Even if they don't, they would know. So you're all laughing at that because you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Men might not get this, but women will because they know. And if you know, if you've heard anything from Mark Gungor, he would have said it much funnier than I did. But today, I want to try to attempt to explain what women want. I guarantee you, in the next few minutes, you'll know what women want. I am so confident of this, and I want to give you this perspective because um, I, it will shift your perspective, it will change your understanding, or it will remind you of an understanding that is important for us. This is a new perspective, particularly for men, and I thought I would be speaking to the men, but this is actually something that we can all pay attention to. This, was a, this is a perspective, a key, an understanding that will change how you view your colleagues, your siblings, your wives, your mothers, your daughters, and your friends, with a money-back guarantee. This is a key that is rarely used to its fullness. It is a key we've spoken about many, many times and is expressed many, many times throughout the world in many things that we do. But it's rarely used to its fullness. But when we understand it and participate it, it will transform our lives. So here's the thing. This isn't about whether you are single or married or have once been married or not yet married or maybe never will be married or don't want to be married. This isn't about how many children that you've had. This isn't about whether you're working or not working. This isn't about the salary that you earn. This isn't about um, the work that you do or the value that's assigned to that work because of the salary that you receive. But what I want to give you is uh, what women want um, is in fact something that will define and most people want. Now, I've really got you, haven't I? So the things that I spoke about, whether it's marriage or never married or children or working and the value of work, these are expressions. 
outworkings, outcomes, if you like, or expressions of humanity, of existing together, of serving together, of living and working together. That's all they are. They are not things that define us. And yet so often um, our value is defined on what we can get and what we can have or how we express that, particularly for women if you think about children or particularly the conversation we're having around equal pay and those kind of things at the moment. Now, I wanted to give you my qualifications to be able to talk to you about what women want. Are you ready for my qualifications? I think it's important that you understand my qualifications. Firstly, I was born of a woman. (laughs) Just wanted to say, quite clearly, my mum gave birth to me. And that might be all I want to say about that. I've been married for 25, happily for 20. Um, No. (laughs) I told you I was going to do that joke. You laughed at it the other day when I practised. Um, I've been very happily married for 25 years. I've been a dad to four girls for 23 years. Well, not all at the same time, but um, been a dad to girls for the last 23 years. And I've worked my whole working life, uh, particularly as a part of the Horsham Church of Christ, I have worked with some of the most astounding uh, life-giving, dynamic women that I've ever met. This church has a rich um, history and blessing because of the voice of women in it. And we need to do everything we can to ensure that we continue to hear their heart and understand who they are and what they can bring. So I'm going to give you the most dynamic, complicated, life-giving key that you will ever hold. There are no mirrors on the walls, there's no magic formulas, there's no three wishes, and there's no freak accidents. It is a key that will create opportunities, journeys, and hard work, but it is a key that will bring transforming relationships. It invites us to view view women through an old lens, one that needs to be redeemed and restored. It is a key that allows us indeed to view all of creation, all of humanity, as made in the image of God. Why do we need this key? Well, because we live in a broken and fractured world. And we need this key because we're invited to restoration and wholeness. There's a uh, Japanese art form, and I'm going to probably massacre it, called Kintsukuri, or Kintsukuroi, might depend on where you come from, um, where they take what's broken and they mend it with um, repairing cracks with gold. And the understanding is that they're making what breaks to be more beautiful. Why do we need it? Well, we need it because of the hashtag MeToo movement, where accusations and confessions of abuse continue to rise up against powerful men who think that because they're men, that gives them more rights than anyone else, and because they're men in power. We need it because domestic violence, um, where a woman is killed almost every week in Australia, through their current or ex-partner. We need this key because more than one in three Australian women have experienced violence by their current or ex-partner, and that's physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. In in 2016, Australia was uh, at 15th in the world, and in 2016, they fell to 46th, from 15th to 46th in pay inequality, the representation in parliament, and the top business industry people, having women involved. Now, I think if you speak to a lot of women, 
Women will say, we don't want a position just to have 50-50. Is, uh, is that still fair or not? Yep. We don't want the position just because someone has decided that we need to have 50-50 women in these positions. That's not actually honouring us as women. That's, am I being... I'm sure someone will come and disagree with me later anyway. But that, for a country that professes to be a country of a fair go, to fall from 15th to 46th in these elements is horrifying. So I want to give you a key that removes fear or competition, but recognises and celebrates women. But because we are better as a community for the voice and the heart of women. Now I do want to say, in the interest of equal opportunity, on Father's Day, um, Alan and Helen Meyer, the uh, dynamic couple who have, uh, Alan's done a whole lot of research and Helen have done a whole lot of research on uh, sexuality and the expression of sexuality and marriage and they're going to be coming and spending the weekend with us um, on Father's Day as well. So book that calendar out because uh, Alan will present you some great ideas as well. I had a conviction about speaking today because I thought it would be about cheering men on about how we treat women. And yet, as the more I've thought about it, this is actually um, the single greatest key that will be for all people. And it's essentially a key that, what we, that women want because essentially, as I said, it's a, a longing and a desire for every human being. It is a key that has been shaped and given and formed out of God's heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Verses 19 to 20, This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses so that you and your children may live. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, Know therefore that Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. In Psalm 136, 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. In John chapter 3, verse 16, 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And many of us have heard that verses, those words before, and understand them. And because God came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And in 1 John 4, 8, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. See, this is the greatest single key that you can ever carry. This is the greatest single key that you can bring to any relationship and you're going to walk away and go, Simon, that's it? Yep. See, our problem is not that this is it. Our problem is that so often we've lied to ourselves about what this looks like. See, we don't call, we have lied to ourselves. We long for love, but we have lied to ourselves. We call it approval. We call it success. We call it recognition. We call it legacy. We call it entitlement. We call it position. And yet all we've done is create demeaning, energy-sapping, life-sucking struggle because all we've done is put ourselves in charge. All we've done is said, I am the most important person in this world and everyone else should just revolve around me. How's that working for us, by the way? How's that working in our homes? How's that working in our neighbourhoods, in our cities, in our countries? Something needs to shift and we need to recover this idea of full love. See, it is a great gift to be content and to live out of fully out of God's love. It is a great gift. 
And some of us may, might sit here and say, well, that's not very manly or that's not very expressive or, yeah, well, I, I've given up on love. Well, you haven't really experienced love if you've given up on it. Because true love comes out of understanding that our value is in the image of God. Author uh, Paul Tripp says that if you are not requiring yourself to get your deepest sense of well-being vertically, you will shop for it horizontally and you will come up empty. If you are not requiring yourself to get your deepest sense of well-being in a relationship with God, you will shop for it in every other relationship first. And you will come up empty. And I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what's happening in your relationships. I don't profess to know. But so many of us live in unhappy marriages because we haven't first discovered the love of God. So many of us live in unhappy um, workplaces because we don't operate firstly out of the love of God. So many of us carry so much baggage in unhappy families and broken families because we haven't first loved out of the love of God and we haven't accepted and received that for ourselves. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, I'll come back to this shortly. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Now I want you to understand this. Someone might be sitting here today and go, See, I told you the church was a bunch of patriarchal, mean-hungry, power-hungry men. Hold up. Just hold up. All right. Firstly, listen to where it starts. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And there's an explanation here, and I think we have misunderstood what it is for men to lead the house. I'll talk about that briefly in a sec. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. If we took that last sentence seriously, even if, if you took God out of the equation, even if we took that last single or two sentence seriously, how much do you think that would change our world? If instead of complaining and bickering and whinging about someone else, whether it be our husbands or our wives or our children or our parents or our grandparents or our colleagues or our neighbours, if we were to look at that single verse, that would revolutionise your heart, your mind and your spirit. And I challenge, I put the, if I, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, go home and practice it. See what it does in a couple of months' time. Don't just practice it for tomorrow and say that was too hard either. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to require sacrifice. That's right. Colossians 3, if you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above. Uh, see, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with humility, kindness, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So here's what I think, men, just for you right now. Here's what I think it means to lead the house and have your wife submit to you. Your task, my task as a man of the house, is to call Christ out of my wife. Is to speak Christ into my home. Is to declare the things of Jesus and the things of God over my home. My task, if I want to see submission in its fullness, is to represent Christ. You want to know why your wives aren't submitting to you? Because you haven't submitted to Christ. And if you think your wife is about submitting so you get to do and, and she does as you're told, you've grossly misunderstood what that verse means. See, marriage is a sacred and treasured gift. And my task as a, as a husband and as a dad is to declare the things of God that I see in my wife and in my children and call them out and every now and then when we get off track is to call it back to each other and say, this is who we choose to be, this is how we choose to operate, this is who we choose to follow. Grandparents, tell stories of faith as opportunities for, lear for learning and growth, not just for a trip down memory lane about the good old days. Because you've gone through some incredible things that our children and our children's children need to hear and be reminded of. So when we tell our stories, don't tell our stories as how things once were, but tell the stories as things that we can learn together. You know, if you're a friend or a colleague, call out and see Christ in others out of who you are in Christ, even when and especially when others don't seek to be Christ back to you. Because Jesus said this bizarre thing about loving your enemies. And at the end of it, his enemies crucified him <laughs> and he still had the courage to say, Father, forgive them. That's our model. I had a conversation with a husband several years ago now and he came out of a, an interesting culture and a, and a way of life and a, and a challenging life and he got really passionate. He was saved in an incredible way out of drugs, out of a story of alcoholism and a terrible upbringing, horrible upbringing and he was so passionate about his faith he would tell everyone about it. He'd go on the streets, he would speak with passion, he would speak with life and I remember sitting with him on more than one occasion and he expressed his sadness because that passion had gone, he'd lost that passion. But the sadness about that was he, talked to, he didn't know how to talk to his colleagues. He didn't know how to talk to the blokes he was working with. He didn't know how to listen to their story. But even sadder than that was, his heart was still longing for the street corners where he'd go out and talk about Jesus all the time. Now, I don't wanna, I'm not speaking against that passion. I'm not speaking against his desire to do that. But my sadness about that was then he spent the days complaining about the project that he was doing for his wife in the backyard. 
and he failed to comprehend the, internal, the eternal significance. He had the skills to do what he said he would do. He'd made a promise to his wife. They had two children. They had um, a house that they had established and worked hard to do. And he couldn't understand that to love God now was to love his wife and commit to following through on the things that he said he would do. See, men and wives, husbands, friends, anyone, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, follow through on the things that you say. And even on the small things. If you say you're going to take out the rubbish today, take it out. <laughs> because oh, it doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. And all the wives that have looked at their husbands, if you promise to fix their shirts today or tomorrow, I don't know what it is. I don't know what your example is. Do it because that's what it is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to bring out the best in each other, to serve one another. There's 10 facts every woman should know. You ready for this? 10 facts every woman should know. And it'd be good for every man to know that every woman should know. I don't know. This is not my list. I just need to disclaimer. Everyone has roles when they bend over. I'm not showing you mine. When someone tells you that you're beautiful, believe them. They aren't lying. Sometimes we all wake up with breath that could kill a goat. For every woman unhappy with her stretch marks is another woman who wishes that she had them. You should definitely have more confidence. And if you saw yourself the way that others see you, if, the way, if you saw yourself the way that, others got, uh, that God saw you, you would. Don't look for a man to save you. Be able to save yourself. I'll come back to that one. It's okay to not love every part of your body, but you should. We all have that one friend who seems to have it all together, that woman with a seemingly perfect life, except you might be that woman to someone else. You should be a priority, not an option, not a last resort or a backup plan. You're a woman. That alone makes you remarkable. Now, I would affirm and cheer for this list. If I could pass anything to our children, this would be it. If I could pass anything on to the women who have inspired me, this would be it. Incidentally, I've had, I have this gift. And maybe it's a bit dangerous to uh, talk about this gift, actually, because I've had many women who come into my office and sit about and talk about their heartache and their struggles and they're bawling their eyes out. And the first words they say to me is, I wasn't going to do this today. It's just a gift I have. If I could pass anything on to my wife, this list would be it. Except it's not the whole story. If you look for a dad, if you look for a husband, if you look for a friend to save you, you'll be bitterly disappointed. And if you spend your life trying to save or prove yourself, you'll end up being angry, hurt, bitter, cynical and a complaining old woman. Every generation, including this generation, is carrying the sins of the past. It's carrying the secrets of the past. 
And there is only one who can save me. There is only one who can save you. There is only one who has saved me. And there is only one who has saved you. From the very beginning, God's desire was to bless creation, humanity, to bless the relationship with them so that we could bless the generations to come. And it's only God's love through Jesus that is set on the cross. It is finished. Whatever you carry, whatever sadness, whatever shame, whatever guilt, whatever hardship, whatever disappointment, whatever bitterness, it's finished. Our problem is we know that here. Our problem is we take our life and we fill it up with a whole lot of writing and we know it and we hear the words from Jesus, it is finished. And so we don't, we tear it up, we know that God has dealt with our sin, our shame, our disappointment, our sadness, and we tear it up like this. Because that's what we believe we have to do. God's dealt with it through Jesus. Except then now, nobody else can see it, but boy do we hold on to that for dear life. Do you know what it is finished means for you and I? That we can live with an open hand. God doesn't hold that rubbish. You don't need to hold it. So what does a woman want? What everyone wants. To be loved. Fully, completely, sacrificially, wholeheartedly. To be known, to be valued, to be accepted as God has accepted them, as God has accepted us. And we have been accepted in God, revealed through Jesus. It is finished. Father, we want to thank you for your presence with us today. We want to thank you that you go with us in all these things. We want to thank you for the opportunity to celebrate and to laugh together and cry together. We thank you that you are with us in all things and through all things. Father, continue to minister into hearts and minds here today. May your spirit stir our hearts and our minds to a place of forgiveness, to a place of renewal to a place of restoration, to a place where we come and say, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. I've been trying too hard to save myself for too long.